yeah, it's a wild thing, you know, and, and just to think that this actually came from somebody's mind, you know, it was invisible at one point, but it came from somebody's mind and now it's here on this stage, you know, and I think that another aspect of theater that I like the most is the fact that they honor the script. They honor the words on exactly. the page. Honor the script. You don't change the dialogue. You don't ad lib. You don't. You know, the script is 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 the Bible. You know what I'm saying. So, it, it's really you know an ode to the playwright. You know, in the in, in the theater world. I, and I kind of miss that. You know, because in film, I've had certain experiences where you know, oh, can we change this? Can we change that? Ah, this location doesn't work. Blah blah. You know, so. It's a lot, like it's a it's a lot that you have to compromise. And I'm learning how to like really get out of that and to just be adjustable and flexible when it comes to that collaborative process. Welcome to Josiah's Voice. This podcast connects you with both new storytellers and seasoned pros in black cinema. Plus, I share my own creative journey along the way. Here's to elevating the culture. What's up, everybody? It's Josiah. Welcome back to another episode. I'm excited to uh, talk to this guest today out of uh, Georgia. Um, and we're also going to get into uh, storytelling and, and wellness and this filmmaker and screenwriter's um, gifts with storytelling and their background. And I think you guys are going to really get some awesome gems. This guy is, is really, really cool. Also comes from a sports background. We'll get into some of that. So I want you guys to help me welcome Tim Orange the second. Tim, welcome. Hoping to, you know, share this little bit of knowledge that I do have, you know, my experiences. So yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate your platform for sure. Awesome. You're welcome, man. And thank you. Um, so you know, let's get into it. I uh mentioned a little bit about you being from Atlanta. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about yourself? Your your a little bit about your upbringing, where you're from, Atlanta, Georgia's uh impact on you, and uh do you have any favorite TV or films growing up? Uh, well, uh, originally I'm from Miami. Um, you know, I moved to Atlanta uh, back in 2017. So I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Uh, like I say, sports background, played football, ran track. Uh, 13 years out of my life, uh, went to college, walked on at Florida State, that ran its course. Um, and I got into screen, well, writing in general. Um, I think we spoke about that a while, you know, back with, you know, my uh, close friend of mine, um, being shot and killed and that kind of pushed me, you know, mm -hmm. towards, you know, just some type of form of expression. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't really expressive as a child and, you know, even just the stigma growing up in this country with young black boys and, you know, we don't get taught how to emote and be vulnerable and express and, you know, right. things that, especially coming up, you know, in Miami and, you know, the black, predominantly black neighborhoods. But yeah, I, I kind of started writing poetry. Um, and my poems, they kind of turned into uh, stage plays, well, short stories, you know, and then they turned into stage plays. I'm like, wow, whatever. I, the funny thing about it, I didn't know like what theater was. You know, I, I've, going back to my childhood, I probably maybe seen like one play, if that, you know, like in elementary school or something like that, but I was very unfamiliar with, you know, the performing arts. Um, 
And, you know, so I started just having these questions about what, what is this called? What is, what is this feel? And, you know, I just kind of hopped out there and looked up some local theaters in Miami down on uh, MLK. Um, it was a cultural arts center down in Miami and, you know, was just trying to get my feet wet, but I eventually I decided to go back to school um, and just study the craft in general, um, get a broad, holistic understanding of what this art form is. So I went to FAMU, enrolled in their theater program 2013, uh, came out of there, I want to say maybe 15, 16-ish, uh, yeah, December 2015. And yeah, I put up some plays, I won a few awards and you know, I was like, okay, maybe I'm, I might have a shot at this. I'm pretty good at it. You know, everybody's liking the work. They want to act in my plays. They want to see more of my stuff, you know, so maybe I can, I, I got something here. And I just kept going. And, um, you know, I had my daughter along the way, went to Full Sail, because uh, I was, I, originally I wanted to go to UCLA uh, to study uh, screenwriting. Um, but, you know, I had my daughter and I wasn't trying to go all the way over across the country to Cali and, you know, uh, with, a, with a newborn. So right, right, I just made a, a smarter choice. You know, I found out about Full Sail's program in Orlando. And yeah, it was the, the, the best two years of my life, to be honest with you, because it really, really showed me the technicalities of what it takes to be a screenwriter, you know, um, and that craft and that process in general. So, um, yeah, and after that, I, I, I kind of moved to Atlanta um, and just got to hold a damn right, showed them some of my work. They helped me produce a few uh, films. Uh, His Story was one of them, aired on Aspire TV. Um, and yeah, just been keep, keeping the ball rolling, man, just trying to keep it going, you know? So, yeah. Nice. That's awesome, man. Amazing origin story. Also, uh, rest in peace to your friend. I'm sure you're honoring their memory uh, by just forging ahead. Uh, getting into expression, uh, as you say, taking your art form seriously, your fatherhood seriously. So may they be, may they rest in peace. I'm sure you remember them fondly. Could we speak to um, some of those early influences you you talked about? What was a what's one standout influence that theater would have on you later? What did you love about theater, and how does it stay with you as a writer now? Oh, man, just the stage, the stage alone, you know, because it's a blank can It's so blank. And, you know, you it, theater is I, I will. I, and I always try to go back to it as much as possible. I try to go uh, watch play as many plays as I can in a year um, because it, it grounds you in the true uh, form of like this theatrical work that we're doing. Even, even with cinema, it's this, it's a theatrical piece. It's a theatrical art form, you know. So I think it's just the simple fact that you can just have people on a stage, place them in certain positions, have them talking and moving around. And it's just this one location and it's live. You know what I'm saying? Like it's live. Like you see live performance, right, live, right. live everything. So it's, it's just a, it, I fell in love with that aspect of like, wow, they really up here on this stage, walking, talking to remember. Right. Lines. Yeah. it's wild yeah it's a wild thing you know and and just to think that this actually came from somebody's mind you know it was invisible at one point you couldn't see it touch it i mean yeah see it touch it feel it taste it in a physical sense but it came from somebody's mind and now it's here on this stage you know and i think that another aspect of film i mean theater 
that I like the most and, and what kind of I still take to this day is the fact that they honored the script. They honored the words on exactly. the page. Exactly. They honor the script. You don't change the dialogue. You don't ad lib. You don't, you know, the script is 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 the Bible. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's really, you know, an ode to the playwright, you know, in the in, in the theater world. Yeah. I and I kind of miss that, you know, because in film, I've had certain experiences where, you know, oh, can we change this? Can we change that? Ah, this location doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's a lot. Like it's a it's a lot that you have to compromise, and I'm learning how to like really get out of that, um, and to just be adjustable and flexible when it comes to that collaborative process because there's a lot more hands involved other than you know just a director and a playwright and actors and a stage manager and you know in theater you got grip you got lighting sound this that you got you know PAs you got you know everybody us AD assistant AD DP. So your camera guy too, you know. So it's just all of them. Everybody, there's a lot going on, you know. And I think that the the and as much as you know, film they try to in the world of cinema and filmmaking, we try our best to kind of honor the story, but that tends to kind of get lost when you add all of these other different components in it. So I think that's the part of it that I miss the most, you know, that you, you write the words on a page and that's, that's the law, you know, like, do you have any favorite plays? Like maybe two top two oh, favorite plays or, or even more. That's fine. Um, man, August, I'm a big August Wilson fan. Oh, you Love were telling me that. Yeah. All of his work is amazing. You know, um, that man put some, some is, I can't yeah. even describe it. <laughs> But yeah, so at uh Jim um I don't even know what favorite August was to play, but Jim of the Ocean. I Jim of yeah. Yeah. I just was, reread that earlier this year. Yeah, that was my first introduction to August. Wilson. Mine too, bruh. Yeah, that was yeah. mine too. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I got hyped for a minute. I was like, that was mine. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's the the thing about it, I, I was actually I had the opportunity to stage manage Jim of the Ocean. So it really allowed me to go in and dig into this man's work, into his mind. And my God, like the dialogue, everything is so coded, you know, in the way that he speaks, you know, yeah. it's, it's like hieroglyphs, like he can say one thing, but it's so many, it's like almost like a modern Shakespeare or black Shakespeare in a sense, like, mm -hmm. so yeah, August Wilson, definitely, um, uh, what's another uh, favorite of mine? A, sol a soldier's play. Soldier's Play was pretty good. Uh, I love The Color Museum. Um, George Wolf. Oh, I've um, seen that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, two Trains Running. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I no, love that's it. cool. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I growing up, like as a child, you know, uh, adolescent years, even in high school, I think I took a drama class in high school, but, you know, I was an athlete. I was like, yeah, this is extra credit, easy. You know, just playing around. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wow, I was I was introduced to it, but I didn't really understand it at the time. You know, but just getting that opportunity to fully submerge myself in it at FAMU, man, that's the best thing. It, I, I I really do appreciate that experience because, like you said, it, it allows you to see the whole vision. It, it allows you to see the whole spectrum. Right. Um, yeah. Even in in it, as it relates to cinema and filmmaking too. You have, you know, these different components. You have an art designer, you have a set designer, you have 
the lighting guy, the soundboard guy, you know, all of those different elements also. Um, however, I think that there's a lot more creative control given to the director and to, and the playwright, you know, because it is, again, going back to that honoring the script and honoring the story, it has to align with what's been written on the page, you know? So, That's right. yeah, it's just, it's just a lot more, I think it's just a lot more regard and respect for, you know, the story. Not saying that filmmaking doesn't, but I, I just get that with theater, you know. For real. Yeah. And you know what? I'm reminded of uh, teleplay credits in TV. Is there anything you'd like to speak to as far as like the similarities for those who don't know? And then for those who do, maybe to just rehash and nerd out about it of like in the similarities between teleplay and writing for television and theater, any overlap that you've noticed in your experience or in what you like to ingest? Yes, sort of, kind of, because when you look at television, it, it kind of gives you that box, right? It's, it, you literally are on a, a, a state. Well, nowadays it's it's different because you have single cam, multicam mm -hmm. option. Usually like back in the day, you know, early days of television, you had a lot more multicam on set. Mm -hmm. Not rom-coms, but... Uh, uh, sitcoms. Sitcoms. Lot Fresh Prince and whatnot, yeah. Right, Fresh Prince, Martin, you know, Jamie Foxx, all of those type of things. Uh, uh, what was it? Two, uh, two Men? What was the guy with... Uh, oh, um, Two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men. Right? Yeah, yeah, Living Single. Half, yeah, those type of, of, of sets. That's theater. So even actresses and actors that have theater backgrounds, they excel so much on those television sets but what i i have noticed also it's a little bit of a tougher transition for an actor to come from theater work to film because okay film it catches so it catches everything you know it catches every little thing and it might be a little too much when you're looking at it on a screen however when you're looking at it live and you're in an audience you know 500 seat theater it's mm -hmm. a little bit different you know so you can sure. feel that and it's the energy access right so once you get that filter to through that camera it's a little bit it comes off a little different so um i, I did notice that you know uh in terms of you know how theater and television um in, in terms of the acting, the acting got you so, yeah you remind me of um i was looking at something for mediums of storytelling and I looked up on Medium and they had this really cool article on medium.com, like how to figure out whether your story is a film, a play, a TV show or something, right? Because I was like, you know, sometimes it's tough to figure out what's the best home or best body for your story to be in. And I remember some of the points, a couple points they made about making your story a stage play was that it's a great place to play with dialogue and writer voice. Has that been your experience as well? Oh yeah, definitely. That's I think that's where I I have to uh, contribute my strength of dialogue from, you know, okay. with and coming from playwriting. And every script that I write, like even, even a screenplay that I write, I give it to some. Oh my God, this dialogue is beautiful. It's beautiful dialogue, dialogue. That everybody like it, that's it has been a thing that followed me, you know, from when I started writing, you know, plays all the way over into film was the strength of my dialogue because a lot of people say that I speak from a very authentic place and the difference 
and the voices of the characters are very distinct. You know, I'm not, I, I can take a woman's voice uh, and, and it not sound like myself, you know what I'm saying, as a man, because that's another challenge that we as writers go through as well. Like, right. how do you write the tone of the opposite sex and things of that nature? But I, I think just uh, that theater and that dialogue and reading so many plays and understanding how dialogue is supposed to be written um it, it definitely helps with my screenplays um so but also going back to your point too with that um uh what did you say about the different mediums right you have an idea you have a concept you have this story idea but is it a screen is it a feature is it a short should i put it in a festival and do this and should i the pilot yeah you know, all these different yeah things you can go it's like, well, you don't know where to go. But one thing that I used to do, I used to write it in short story form, right? Oh, I any, love that. Yeah, any idea that I had, I would always write it as a short story first, maybe like a page, a couple pages. Yeah. Just to see, just to see like, if it's, okay, here's the beginning, here's the middle, and here's the end. Now, if I expand this, what is this expanding into? Is this something that can keep going? Are the elements in this little short story something that is, it's just that, you know, maybe a short film, because a short story can a short film is kind of synonymous, right? Right, right. Feature film, is it a lot more that can be said with this, uh, or this trying to be said, or this trying to come through, you know, uh, is it a play? You know, is it just on stage and to be just, you know, that, and even with a play, is it a, a one act, a two act, is it, you know, with a 30 pager, you know, is it a short 10 minute play, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. So that's a, a, a tool that I used to do to kind of just help me out. Um, and then on top of that, just understanding, you know, the, the, the different elements of every medium, right? So, you know, a feature is totally different than a television series. And any television, right. television is the thing that's running this cinematic world yep. right now, right? <laughs> Yeah. So it's running everything and it's running wild and it's developing every single year. Like it's some new stuff out, new, they're breaking the rules of structure and you don't know where it's going. You know what I'm saying? So um, even within television series, you have to find a particular series that your specific story can match, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of structure. Yeah. You know, because you have, you know, half hour dramas and not, that's the new wave. I think the little miniseries half hour dramas is like a merge between a sitcom and a one hour drama. So you get these little half hour dramedies like Insecure and uh, um, what's another one? Um, I don't know. I, I, Maybe Atlanta or something. Atlanta. Atlanta. Right. Exactly. These little half hour, little short, little yeah. things. Or Homecoming. It's a whole yeah, you got a whole movie in, you know, this very short form. And it's, it's, it's so crazy. Like, but even if with the, I finished the new, what I didn't, uh, I don't know if they have another episode out, but I, I was watching the third season of Atlanta and he's really doing some some amazing work with, you know, his yes. social commentary and, and big on that. But um, I was just saying all that, just to say like, even with, with, with those ideas, right? You just kind of have to maybe just pinpoint, you know, and ask the story. Just I, I ask the story, hey, what what do you want to be? 
Like, you know, like, <laughs> I love that. Like, very spiritual. So I just allow it to just come in through it. And whatever comes through, it just going to, I just trust that it will come through and, and be in the best shape and form that it needs to be, you know. Um, but yeah, just looking at those different elements of the mediums kind of helps. And like I said, just ironing out, you know, outline, short story, you know, just to try to kind of see where it can go and see if it has enough strength to last a series or if it's just a shorter you know, whatever. That's cool. In fact, how about we segue into uh, your latest piece uh, at the time, um, History with Damn Right Originals and, and Aspire TV. What inspired that story, like that log line? And what was the experience like putting that story together? Yeah, this was a, um, how did that come about? I think it was like a TV one, it was a TV one fellowship that I was trying to submit to. Nice, nice. Uh, TV One Fellowship that I was trying to submit to, and it was like they wanted something that deals with like uh, African Americans and education or something like that. And uh, I think that was a topic, something along those lines. But I just thought it would be funny. I was like, "Oh shit! What if you got like a, you know, a little boy who's in class and he's like a troublemaker, but he's actually smarter than the teacher." Yeah. So, so I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh shit! This could be some shit," you know. So <laughs> I was just like, you know, let me see how this would look because I've seen kids like that. You know, I was at one point, one of those children. Okay. Like, I know. Like I was a kid, right, man, who are you talking to? I know more than you. Like, you know, just too big for my britches, but you yeah. know, I, I, I had my own mind. I had my own mind from an early age. You know, I, I always had a unique perspective a way of looking at things. And I'm like, okay, well, and I'm, I was always inquisitive asking questions like, why is this like that? Why is this like that? Are you telling me the truth? Like, what's going on? Like, what are you talking about? You know, just asking those type of- <laughs> Asking all them questions. <laughs> right, asking all these questions, right? But so, and, and you know, after I just got that idea, I was like, oh, it'd be funny. And then we can make it about history, you know, instead of math, science, reading or something like that. History is a great way to educate while, you know, educating in a sense, if that makes sense, you know? So, um yeah and it, i just took off and ran with it from there um I, I i just wanted it to be as as relatable as possible um you know um i tried to go back to that place in my childhood and you know kind of think about what did i learn in history like i didn't learn yeah i can't remember i can't even remember to have this <laughs> put in those books you know what i'm saying only the typical stuff christopher columbus and yeah you know, and Turkey Day and Thanksgiving and all that other bullshit, you know, so. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> so, you know, uh, um, I was like, yeah, man, let's really show, or, or I, it, this is an opportunity, I just traded it as an opportunity for me to, to really kind of just make uh, a suggestion, right, yeah. to the public school system and yeah. what we should be learning, especially as kids of, you know, color and, and, and young uh, uh, children of, of multi-ethnic uh, backgrounds, you yeah. know, because even even in the Latin community, like we, I, I went to school with a lot of Latin yeah. uh, individuals, and it's like we don't learn too much about their history, right? Know? What about their history? Yeah, and it's, it's like they're in school over here in America, so they're learning about American history, which is understandable, but at the same time, like that is not prevalent to who they are yeah you know and, and especially when you talk about 
developing a child's sense of identity and you know right with their place in the world and in society you know and that's i think one of the lines that i had in the script was like yeah you know if you were to teach if you would teach you know black and brown kids uh, you know, that, you know, the Egyptians or the, you know, ancient Kemet and the Dogon tribe mm-hmm. in Africa, they used the star constellations. Right. Like, you know, you know, everything. And yeah, it's, it was just a lot that I felt like, you know, needed to be said. And, you know, just to, again, drop some some gems on, you know, the, the culture in our community because yeah. we don't get a chance to hear those type of things, you know, especially in this art form. Right. In fact, you when I watched it, it reminded me I did take like some type of I can't remember how I took this class, but I took some type of um, what was it? British. British history or something. I remember I was stumbling. I was like, you know, because we we ain't got no monarchy and like what? And it was I, I mean, I passed it somehow, like 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 just barely passed it. But I remembered feeling like that that disconnect. Without like nothing, I mean, you British, I mean, that's, you know, everybody got their history. But, um, but I mean, it's still, you know, the, the white history generally or some form does, you know, take precedence um, in, in society, especially, you know, if, if we're talking about being Americans um, or if you got American, you know, American background. Um, and, and then it's so it's funny we're talking about this because it also reminded me my family rewatched uh, that Kevin Costner movie, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. With uh, he's Robin Hood, and then Morgan Freeman is a uh, Azim, right? And he and he's like they meet in prison on you know in the uh, uh, I can't remember what country it it was um outside of Jerusalem, uh, basically actually I was trying to remember the the Chirons, the little lower thirds like where it took place, and uh, Morgan Freeman's a Moor, and um you know it's the Crusades, you know, and all of that. And I just bring that up because it reminded me of some of the humor and then also brotherhood in the film is how basically Morgan Freeman, you know, he's this so-called savage in the Englishman's eyes and Robin Hood's eyes, but he's like got a telescope, right? Mm -hmm. And like Robin Hood like takes the telescope and he's never, he's like, what is this? He's never (laughs) used any like, he sees like these horsemen coming at him and he like, starts flipping out, reaching for his sword because he thinks they're like right there. And Morgan Freeman just like snatches it and just looks at him like, what? He's like, how did your people take Jerusalem? Like, (laughs) man, listen, that's a great point. But and that's the whole thing about what I was trying to say with history. Like we made a lot of contributions to modern society. Right. Things that are even in NASA, you know, a lot of these things, they use a lot of ancient Kemetic, ancient Dogon, ancient Egyptian technology. You know, yeah. to this day, it's a lot more advanced because we have a lot more materials and you know things sure. technology developed. But the blueprint of a lot of these major corporations in terms of these AI and tech companies, it's all is it's already been done. You know, and that's what I was just trying to you know hint at in in the film. Also with the Moors, the Moors were a great yeah. race of, of Africans. You know, and is just interesting, you know, to 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 know that this history is here, and you have even Europeans who comment on it and justify it and back it up yeah. as true. In fact, and we don't know anything about it. <laughs> right. Cambridge and in these Ivy League schools right. that actually, if you care to look, 
they actually not that you're looking for their cosign, but you have some honest white and European scholarship. Right. They're right. like, nah, man, the Moors did this or so and so. The Yoruba did, yeah. To your point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's it's it was just very interesting. Um, and like I said, that's that was the whole point of the film, and I, and I think I did a good job with it. You know, because yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's doing good. It's um. A lot of good reviews. It did. It did some good numbers, man. It did some real good. That's numbers. exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. No, it was a great film, guys. All of you listening, check it out. You can watch it for free. It's on uh, YouTube. You can find it on both the Damn Right Originals uh, YouTube page as well as the Aspire TV YouTube page. Um, and if you forget, don't worry. You'll I'll link all that information in the show notes as well as on the website. Tim and I got you. Don't don't worry. Um, that's great, man. And it must have also, uh, not to lead the witness, um, must have also had a sense of creative and personal satisfaction because you've mentioned your daughter. As a father, I imagine, I don't have children yet, but yeah, I imagine, you know, as a black father, you know, with a black daughter, black child, you know, you but you do hope just like the characters, uh, Trent, if I believe, is the protagonist and his father, uh, Justin, you know, you, you want your son or your daughter, you know, to have that sense of positive identity and see their contributions exactly. in history yeah yeah and, and that's another point that i was kind of alluding to in the script as well is like as parents you have to take responsibility because these schools are not gonna give i mean we've all experienced it i mean unless yeah. you went to a good public school or maybe a private school or charter school something like that to where you yeah. really got some, uh, some good knowledge and wisdom instilled in you Nine times out of 10, you're going to the average public school who's just on this routine hamster wheel of, you know, angle card bullshit information, you know, <laughs> and in indoctrination. Terms of, in term, in term, indoctrination. There you go. So, and, and so it's, it's just, um, again, like as a father, I try to make sure that my daughter has been exposed to as much history as possible. You know, I, I write her little things, little notes, and have her read, and I wrote her a prayer. And, you know, that's just comes from, you know, me and my own spirit, you know, so all of these type of things are the things that we kind of have to do. Want longer episodes before everyone else? Excited for exclusive VIP content? Or maybe you just like to support the show. You're in luck. Josiah's voice on black filmmaking is now on Patreon. Become a member today at patreon.com slash Josiah's voice. This episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast is brought to you by Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural, smooth human voice. It won't be my voice, but no app is perfect, but this one's pretty close. Because for the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, science, to Bitcoin, or pop culture and movies. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, exploring trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Like this one. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. Or from the link in the description. And use my promo code. Josiah Voice. J-O-S-I-A-H Voice. I'll put that in the description for you. 
When you click it, you'll receive a one-month free premium subscription to Newsly. Stop scrolling. Start listening with Newsly. That's fire, dude. Um, in fact, on that tip, uh, going in with, with education and whatnot, um, off mic, you told me some, some good news at the time of this recording. Um, something has just kind of gone through from a creative screenwriter and wellness standpoint. Could you share that? Share that with us. Congratulations again. Yeah. Thank you, man. I, um, I just got my state permit for a personal care home in the state of Georgia. Uh, so Hey. Uh, yeah, so we are good to go. Um, and the program is pretty much it started the inception of it started from, you know, when I was teaching a few screenwriting courses and doing some workshops. Um, I was pretty much coming into the realization that screenwriting is a very mental and psychological process. And you have to understand humanity. You have to understand human emotion, behavior, motives. True say. Um, you know, everything. You have to understand the emotional well-beings and the emotional conflicts of people. And that's just like what a psychiatrist does. You know, you go in, you see a therapist, you go to therapy, they dig up all types of stuff from your past and and look at, you know, your mind and how it works and why it's working like that. What experiences has your subconscious and conscious mind, you know, have created to protect you or to propel you forward or whatever the case may be. So, all of this stuff is relatable and very, very useful when it comes to screenwriting and especially character development, right? So I was like, wow, I'm over here talking to these students, to a few of my students, and I'm realizing that almost all of our conversations were going into childhood trauma. We're going into backstory, you know, the exposition, you know, all of these different things. And it's like, this is just human behavior. Like we're literally being there, our own form of therapist as we're writing out this screenplay. Because if yeah. you look at the, the, the overall trajectory and its wholeness, a story is pretty much a, uh, a blueprint to transformation. I, I feel like, you know. Oh, I love that, man. Yeah. It's just like an alchemical process of emotional transformation. You got the character, main character, you see the main character in the normal world, right? Something happens, throws off this normalcy, and after everything throws off the normalcy, they're forced to go onto this journey or in these series of events that forces them to do things that they would never think of dream of doing. Exactly. You go through this experience and you transform and you come out somebody totally different than the end of the film. The first five minutes of the film, you see this person one way. Last five minutes of the film, there's somebody completely different. That's life, you know? So just time to know transformation, right? So in, in evolution more so in growth, you know? So I was like, wow, what if I can like create like a wellness program that incorporates, you know, cinema, film, character development and all of these types of things. So and I did just kind of grew. I started a nonprofit, uh, created like a little wellness curriculum. Um, and, you know, I was I wanted to do something with my house. You know, I'm like, I, I want to make some money off of it in the best way possible. Oh, why not merge the two? Boom. And it just kind of just took off from there. So, yeah, awesome. very excited. Very, very excited about it. That's awesome. As, as Do you have a name for it right now that you're allowed to yeah. announce? Yeah, yeah. The the home is called All In Care Homes. Cool. Um, 
And the nonprofit that it's attached to is called Mars Transitional Services. Mars is an acronym for Mental Awareness Recognizing Self. Love so, that, man. That's awesome. Yeah, guys, I'm going to make sure y'all have all the information uh, for that because it'll probably be well underway by the time you're hearing this episode. A lot more would have would have happened and just that's really uh, that's really amazing. I was saying off mic, Tim, like I, I don't think I'd heard of anything like that. And you and I were kind of connecting and kind of going through the files in our brain like we, we knew like uh, um, art therapy and, and painting, maybe some photography and things. Um, and for those of you who have followed, um, you know, my my previous show um, up to now, you know, I've talked to like artists and painters who had that background. And art therapy and just using art for a sense of wellness. But I wasn't sure. I knew personally how movies and TV made me feel. Yeah, and I'm exactly. sure you do. But I'd never yeah. seen anybody spearhead a project like this. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. I, I was like, I started looking it up. I'm like, does this even exist? And right, seen, right. And I've seen like one guy, he had like a book out and a one website that was like cinema therapy. And okay. Like, yeah, it's not a popular term, but it was just one guy who started it, and yeah, he wrote like a book or whatever. And I don't think it really did too much, but I was like, wow, I, it, it doesn't exist. It does not exist. So, yeah, you know, I, I think this is a, a very, very good thing. Even outside of the the group uh, home that I'm I'm running, I would like to still do something with that in terms of. I don't know yet. I'm still, like I said, it's still in the inception phase. I, I, I want to see it in like an office setting to where people can come in and maybe we watch a film and then we discuss or, we, you know, whatever the case or clips or something like that. Some, it's still it's still getting there. But like I said, this is a major step, power step in the process. So I'm just grateful and just enjoying it. Yeah. That's cool, man. And you get to, because uh, you were mentioning students, so it's cool how you get to also combine not only your cinematic and screenwriting and theater background in, in, in love, but your prowess as a teacher, yourself, your yeah. own teaching background. Like, how's that feel? Like, that you get to merge yeah. them yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels great, because that was a thing. I'm actually, funny you mentioned that, because like I said, I think I told you before, I was teaching English at Gwinnett Tech up here. Yeah, um, yeah. Time, and they asked me to come back in the fall, and I was like, "Oh, well, okay, yeah, why not?" You know, I get back into you know something that I, I'm passionate about, something that I love to do. Um, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." I you know teach a few classes, and you know just to get that you know uh, I guess that communication and presence and all of that yeah. stuff back. You know, um, but yeah, and that was just something that I kind of, I was like, yeah, English, teaching English is cool, but I think that I would really enjoy teaching screenwriting or like just storytelling. Yeah. You know? So that's when I went out and started, you know, um, the I have a uh, screenwriting platform called The Art of Story. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, the art of story and, and you know, just I host little workshops from time to time. I need to get back into it. But um, yeah, like I said, this project has been taking up a lot of my time. But yeah, I, that's something that I really love to do. So just to merge all of that is I'm just grateful. Very, very grateful. That's exciting, man, because I, I believe that it's going to take off. And I think I said it earlier. It's, it's cool because it's like you never know what might in, inspire other people in their hometown or, or something. Or I'm like, man, we. 
I, I don't know. Let me go look. Is that something here in, in Rhonda? Is that, is that here in, in the African cinema space? I don't know. Cause it's, we, we, we story just, it brings us together. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we kind of project or imprint ourselves on characters and, we find overlap and connection in other people's situations, be they really heavy situations or comedic ones, romantic, et cetera, and, and beyond. And I'm just like, that's yeah. really cool, man. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And like I said, it's, I think this is a very spiritual art form, you know, because it, for it's, sure. it's, like, it's the grandfather of all art forms, I, I feel like, because you're incorporating every art form into it. Exactly, you know, yeah. Right? sound can't physically well you, you are physically seeing it you know in a theater you know it, when we had those you know yeah the, the right actors, right yeah yeah right? you know when movies and popcorn and, and slushies were a thing you know yeah. physically emerged with it you know and you, you really have like all of the different art forms that you can go into it you can see dance on a screen you can hear music you can you, you're watching a, a, a collaborative art you know, on this, on this screen. So, and again, like you say, it, it, it brings us together and it, it, I think it really just connects the dots between the gaps in society in terms of uh, our humanity, right? So we can't, on our day-to-day -day lives, we don't really connect like that and we don't relate and we don't really engage with other human beings with the compassion and sincerity and empathy that a movie or a film can show or a play or whatever, uh, some type of story form can show you, you know? So those are really like our, our uh, they kind of keep us anchored in this, you know, uh, being human, you know, in the sense of exactly. this, this is what love looks like. You can put love on a screen. You know, you can put intimate love, like romantic love on the screen. You can put unconditional love on the screen. You can put the love of a mother on the screen, the love of a father on the screen. You can see how that looks. If you haven't, say if you haven't, you orphan, foster care, whatever, you don't have parents, you're looking at a film and you see a family, mother, father, child, son, daughter, sitting at a dinner table. What does that do for that kid? You know, does it trigger any type of, you know, emotion might, propel him to go try to find his room who knows you know right so you know so it's it's a very powerful form a art form because it, it allows us to really see our our see humanity for what it is and 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 you know our ugliest and our, our, our most beautiful that's awesome man you are 100 percent right i couldn't agree with you more what's your writing process look like and do you have a favorite part of your writing process I like the outlining. I like outlining because it, it lets me know the details of every single beat that I need to hit, right? Even though I don't, sometimes I throw it up completely away. Well, not completely away, but, you know, it, it's just a guide. That's just the GPS system, right? That's just the directions. You know, but you might have to make a few detours or there might be an accident here. So you got to turn and, you know, take a little back road or whatever. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I love outlining um, in that pre-writing stage. Um, but usually my process is, uh, it depends. Like if I just have like a passion project that, uh, you know, I, um, 
something that I want to write. This is coming from my heart. This is something that kind of been placed to me. This is an idea that just kind of came out of thin air. You know, I take a little bit long with those with those projects um, and I, I try to just let them develop and speak to me as much as possible. I usually spend about maybe like a week, maybe a week, week and a half, just keeping it in my head, replaying certain things, hashing out ideas. Um, and then I start to like put things on. Well, and in that week, I put things on paper or I put it in my you know notepad or whatever, my phone. Um, just to jot, jot down the aesthetic, the mood, the tone, you know, is I, I want to shoot like I can see this being like a Wes Anderson type of piece or, you know, Spike or Terrence, you know, who, what, you know, what kind of uh, visuals do I see for this? You know, all the aesthetics and the tones and the moods and the, the little uh, inserts, you know, the props, the, the how, you know, the, the, the filter, is it clean, crisp, is it dark, is it light? You know, I try to just think about what, how, how I want to shape it um, for about a good week with notes and aesthetic and everything. And then I start to get into a log line, you know, after that week. So what is the story? Give me a beginning, a middle, and an end. So and so and so, such and such, after this happens, blah, 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 has to do this, right? You log lines is usually you get, you know, you listen to protagonists, a little maybe adjective about the protagonist, their challenge and, you know, the journey that they're going to be embarking upon. So if I can get that and it's solid after these first seven days and I've sat with the log line for about two or three, four days, I'm like, OK, this is solid. I've shot, pitched it around a couple of people, got some different eyes on it. Oh, yeah, that's a solid story. Yeah. All right, bet. So let's let's get to outlining now, right? Outlining, you know, I'm um, structure. Either do I want to do this in a five act? Do I want to do it in a three act? Again, depending on the medium, the type of film it is. Uh, do I want to do like a simple setup, conflict resolution type of thing, and just fill the gaps in as I go? You know, how do I want to approach it? And once I figure that out, I spend like about two weeks outlining, um, and yeah, I get all of the beats, act by act, scene by scene, moment by moment, beat by beat. And it's very detailed. My outline is very, very detailed. So I try to be as detailed as possible so that I don't miss anything or I don't lose the purpose or the, the progression of the story and, and what I'm trying to do with each scene, you know? So in each scene, I'm getting very specific, you know? And what I also tend to do also is list the motivation for the character in each scene. So what is the purpose of this scene? Her motivation is this. His motivation is that. This is the entire motive of this scene. Each scene has acts. You know, if you kind of really get into it, you have right. beginning, end. You know, you have act one, act two, act three within a scene. So, and it has a purpose, right? So um, I try to treat it as detailed and technical as possible. And then once the outline is done, I've sat with it for about three, four weeks, writing time, right? Open up final draft and just let the words fucking come out. How they fucking come out? Let them fly. You know, I vomit, fucking vomit. Okay, I know exactly what I'm doing in the scene. How do I see it opening up? This is the opening shot. I know the beginning, I know the middle, I know the end, I know what each scene is about. So when I usually write the script, I, I knock it out like in a week, week and a half, you know? Wow. I remember yeah, I've finished a feature before, like in, in two weeks, you know, 90 pages or 100, 103 pages in like a couple of weeks. 
brother was flying. Yeah, (laughs) but it's, you know, but again, I couldn't have done that if I didn't know the story. Gotcha. Prior. You know, so all of that pre the the months or three, four, five weeks worth of pre-writing is how you're going to, is going to let you know the strength of the script. Because if all of that stuff is solid, you know, you're cooking with some grease once you actually get the words on the page. And it's going to just come. It's going to come. It's going to come. And then on top of that, you're going to start to see certain other things that pop up. Like, oh, this would be good to put here because this is the purpose of the scene. Or this would be good to put here because I know this character's backstory. Right. So, yeah, you know, and it just it flies out. It flies out. You know, the care. Also, I do character development, you know, within that time frame. Also, I have my own character development process I put into this sheet. You know, backstory, the want, the internal goal, external goal, what's the motivation, what's the character arc, what's all of that. So I fill it out for all the main characters, protagonists, antagonists, uh, you know, if it's a, a, a filler character, um, friend, love interest, you know, um, mentor, you know, all of those different like character tropes that we, you know, um, find in films. I kind of maybe give them one of those identities if they fit it, you know, but I, I try to be very, very loose and lenient when it comes to character because I want them to be as natural and organic as possible, you know, so I don't try to force them into this mold and, oh, well, you're a mentor, so you have to be like, yeah, mentors come in all shapes, sizes, you know, so, you know, just let the character show you who they are, you know, even with character names, I don't try to give them names. The first name pops into my mind, that's their name because I know that they told me that, you know, and I asked the question, like, what's your name? And I hear some shit and okay, that's your fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just go from there. But um, yeah, that's, it, it's a lot of pre-writing. My writing process considers a lot of pre-writing, a lot of character development, um, outlining, and just sitting with the story. You got to leave it, live it, breathe it, see it. Doing a lot of research, if there's a lot of research involved, but if it's more so societies, you know, social issue, like a social piece to where you just got family stuff or, you know, it's like a drama or something like that. You don't require too much research. You know, I'd probably go out to the park and just people watch for a little bit just to, you know, kind of get into, you know, that mode of, you know, listening to dialogue and conversations and I'm, I'm paying attention when I go to the grocery store and seeing how this clerk talks. Oh, she got a Southern accent. Oh, New York, Philly, this, that, and the third. You know, I'm paying attention to all those little small details to get, you know, some in a, uh, some motivation for the character development too. But um, yeah, I love the outlining process. I love that process. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Like, so it sounds like you got it all together. Any challenges <laughs> you ever faced? Like what's one challenge stand out for you I in your writing life? Rushing it, rushing it. <laughs> you know, gotcha. Deadline. Deadlines. You okay. Know, if if I have a project, I've been hired as a work for hire to complete this project within X amount of weeks. Then of course I can't, you know, sit with it how I want to sit with it. But I would have to really put myself in an intense space and try to get it done as much as possible. So my whole day, at least six hours out of my day, is dealing with this pre-writing. You know, for about a week. Because if I got two weeks to turn something in. You know, whether it be like a you know 15 minute short or whatever the case may be, um, you know, I gotta speed up a little bit, right? But 
I still allow myself to go through it just in a more condensed and concise uh, time frame, you know. So other than the, the, the deadlines and the time frames, you know, rushing the process, um, uh, you know, you can get, a, I, I do tend to get, you know, a little conflicted with choices, right? Okay. Um, at times. And again, but I, I know if I'm conflicted with a choice, mm-hmm. those, I go back automatically to the premise. What's the purpose of you telling Let me? Let that be your guide. Okay. Right. You know, so, and if I get stuck with a choice, whether it be to make a character like this or to make a scene like this or to place it in this location, this setting, or to have this outcome, you know, does that tie into the premise and does that speak to the premise and does that propel the story forward? How is this contributing to the whole pot? You know, and if it's not contributing, then I kind of exit out, even though it might be a great idea that I want to shoot and it might look cool as shit on film, you know, I have to just let that go, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's give and take and, you know, just filling it out, just filling it out. Cool. For, for anyone, uh, young writers who are listening how do you, how does one get work for hire as a screenwriter? You've mentioned that. Any advice in into that logistical area? Yeah, well, all of my work for hires come from other work for hires, you know. So, and that's that's literally how this whole industry works. Like, once you work with somebody and they see that you do good work, they're coming back to you again nice. because they know how you work, they know the quality of your work, and they know what they're going to get instead of taking a chance on a new up and coming writer, so on and so forth. However, um, if you haven't done any work, what you do have to do is provide a great sample script, right? Yeah. If you have a television pilot, if you have a short, you know, anything that can showcase your writing within the first five to 10 pages. What I used to do, I used to write like a 10 page short but just make the first three, four, five, the three to five pages like so intense. Just <laughs> like reel them in. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, I might or, or I might just write that and I don't have anything else after that. But <laughs> they think that I have a whole, oh, this is no, this is just three pages that I just wrote. <laughs> but don't have the, I don't have anything other than that. But this But I got just, you now. Right. But this this is just to show you what I can do, what my capabilities are. So I would say in order to get that, um, develop your skill set, first and foremost, have strong, powerful writing samples. Um, and if you don't have representation, manager, agent, anything like that, get out there and network. You know, you got to network. You got to hit people up on IG. You got to go to festivals. You got to go to film events, film screenings, talk, have a business card. Here you go. I'm a writer. Any projects you got coming on, boom, 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 I can send you some samples. If y'all got a budget for anything, you know, um, hit me up. You know, I'm, I'm your guy. Um, nine times out of 10 in this independent world, you'll land something because it, everybody's not a Hollywood snob in L.A. who, oh, well, you don't you can't talk to me unless you have representation. Right, you know, right. Percentage scripts and all of this type of stuff in the independent realm there's a lot more people open to working with people. Now, the downside to that, you're not going to get LA rates, you know, so. Yeah, (laughs) the caveat. Right, you might want to have a little side hustle, side job, or or a full job, you know. There's something that's, and I've always been like this type of person to 
have some form of financial stability, but still make sure that it's not taking too much energy time away from my craft, you know? So I will find a part-time gig here, a part-time gig there that I can, you know, get by, have enough food for, you know, some money for some groceries and gas, get me to work, you know, and that's it. But if you got an extravagant lifestyle, you going out and you partying and you popping out, <laughs> they ain't gonna work for you, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's just, a, and again, that's just about how to approach the whole uh, industry and the craft itself, you know, but networking, networking in the independent arena is, is very key. And like I said, once you start doing some work, you give you some samples, somebody's going to pick you up for something. Maybe write something for somebody for free. You know, I've wrote yeah. a lot of for free as well. Oh, hey, I'm looking for a script. I don't have really any money right now. We only got like a 6K budget, 5K budget, but, you know, I can pay you a couple hundred bucks for a 30 page short, cool, I'll take it. As sure. long as this is something that I can put on my resume, that's it. Draw you up your little work for hire contract and yeah. it's, you know, and, and just do it like that. But uh, you usually, you know, you, you it grows, you know, you, you start to run into those producers from those indie companies who have a little bit more heftier budgets and their pockets a little bit deeper and they can really, you know, uh, afford to uh, 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 honor the writer and, you know, pay them, you know, even if it's a work for hire or if you get something on the back end, you know, you know, however it goes, um, you run into those a few times too. But for the most part, um, yeah, I hope that that um, answers. Yeah, no, that's great because it actually, um, I don't think I'd ever asked that question myself. And I don't know if I've been in any webinars or anything where that came up, or maybe I just forgot. Because from a production assistant standpoint, which is the bulk of my experience, um, professionally anyway, and then I work on my own, you know, books and, and scripts and shorts on my own time. I haven't heard anyone describe work for hire as a, from a screenwriting standpoint and an independent standpoint yeah. like that, which is great because it, it reminds me of how as a production assistant, just like you said a minute ago, uh, you do the work. People see that you do good work. You know, you talk, you chat them up on set. You find lines of commonality. You you know, you get along or something like that. And they like your work ethic. Yeah. They're like, yo, what you, yo, hit me with your number, you know, your email, you know, you're going to be in town or like, are you local to, in this case, maybe L.A., you know, yeah, right. are you, you know, because I, I know somebody, you know, America's Funniest Videos, you know, they 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 start filming again. You know, you, right, you got availability right. for the next two weeks or so I'd never heard it from a screenwriting work for hire. I was like, wow, that reminds me of how I landed on Insecure, how I landed on yeah. Star Wars. I was like, I thought just PAs, like you you educate me, brother. That's exciting. And I think it's exciting for others. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. But yeah, it's, it's the same. It's the same problem. People are our biggest resource. People. It's not the money. It's not, the, you can't make a film without people. Right, or where you went to school. Right. Even you can't even write make a story without well, you can't make a story without people technically, but you know, oh um, sure. <laughs> you have like an inanimate object as a character, but yeah, it's still mocking human behavior, right? So yeah, yeah you know, you, you can't really you can't really um do this without people. So it's again the relationships that you build and the connecting and getting out there and being on set, PAing. I did a lot of PAing too. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, working on set, helping people out, doing it for free, 
you know, and just getting to know people, connecting. Okay, follow you on IG, follow you on this, follow this is my website, this is your website. Okay, let's link up, let's do something, let's meet for coffee, let's go get a drink or two, let's go for lunch, whatever. And you just build those relationships. They tell you about the story I did that they have. How do you want to do it? I can pay you this amount of much. All right, cool, let's do it. You know, anything like yeah. that, you just start, it gets you experience. You're getting experience. And then eventually you'll get to the point to where, you know, you can start seeking representation. I feel like I'm at that point now, but I just haven't made the time to like really get out there and, and, and seek a manager or anything like that or agent. Because again, I've, I've always had uh, other things on my plate, you know, this group home project and a lot of different other stuff. But um, yeah, it's just, I, I think I'm transitioning into that now, but that's a major thing too, as far as screenwriters, um, as, as far as the, the money aspect and the finances and what are the chances of me actually getting a script made and getting paid for my work and all of these type of things. So all of those are relevant questions, but again, it's the same process. You get out there, you meet people and you do good work. And it's gonna it's gonna follow you. You know, every time I uh, even this uh, most uh, recent project I worked on um, is a television series that this independent producer had a little budget for, uh, pretty decent sized budget to do a little mini series. And you know, I submitted. I, well, I wrote. I was. I wrote one of the episodes, and one of the producers or people working on the project. I like, whoa, I love what you did with your script. I have an idea. Can I pay you for, boom, just like that. Did some good work with him. He sent it to We Screenplay, came top 5%, 90s a call across the board, you know, and it's some good work and he's getting some traction on it, you know, and he's hiring me for something else. So it's, it's all about, you know, the quality of the work and the people that you're showing the quality to that's going to feed you, you know. Ooh, brother, that is beautiful. I love that. So for all of you uh, screenwriters out there, you know, aspiring, whether you've been doing it for a while, but you're trying to figure it out, maybe you're probably still in that independent space. I promise you, to my recollection, and I've been I've been in the industry, you know, for for a little for a little bit, um, and and just been in that that environment. I had never heard from a screenwriting standpoint people put it that way or maybe or full disclosure maybe i did and maybe your brother just wasn't ready maybe i'm ready maybe i'm ready now um because we we all to you said something about developing and evolving earlier you know sometimes doing work for free scare people away i'm pretty I, I know it's probably scared me away and again you know everyone who's listening it's all your situation my situation is different than tim's etc if there are certain caveats or certain things you can't manage right now so long as you find a way and you can look yourself in the mirror and you feel yourself developing and you connect in with fire people just make sure you follow your your own path but i hope what tim has said if you're like me and you didn't really know that it could transfer like that because again i think that kind of work for hire thing is really really stands out from an onset standpoint that kind of in the office writer's room screenwriting producer you know that uh realm it might seem kind of separate but you know so long as it fits your quality of life and you can like you said tim put it on your resume you're proud of the work put it on your reel and you can share it with people people's antennas go up and they're like yo this person really knows what they doing yeah 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 definitely, definitely. you know um and just to add on to that a little bit um, sure it all also there is a thousand ways to skin a cat 
here's a thousand ways to skin a cat, right? So, you know, a lot of us have the impression that if you're not in a writer's room in LA or have an agent or a manager that's booking you uh, with studio contracts, you know, for $2.5 million and right. you, have, you have a contract to produce five scripts between a three, four, five year span, you know, if you don't, if it's not that you're, you're not doing it, but that's not true because there's a very vast, uh, this is a very vast industry. A lot of these production companies and these studios out in LA, they're corporations and they have millions of dollars. Yeah. So they, in, in that window of opportunity, um, it's very slim. It's very small. Not a lot of people can go through that. However, if you are one of the lucky ones to get through, great. But if you don't get it, that means that there's still a lot of ways to go about, you know, having a successful career in screenwriting. There's a lot of independent filmmakers out there. Half of the stuff you watch on Amazon Prime and Netflix are independent. That's right. Companies. You know, so there That's are right. people with some money, even $100,000, $200,000 you know, they can pay you uh, to option one of your scripts. You can still do an option contract outside of LA. I met a, a screenwriter from uh, Miami, actually. She went to FAMU and, you know, she was around the Will Packer era, you know. That, oh, cool. That, that type, yeah. And she was out in LA for a while and, you know, she was doing, she was working. She was in rooms and she was getting contracts and she had agent representation um but she said that she didn't she wanted she she got sick of LA and she wanted to move somewhere where it was a little bit more serene you know to her lifestyle and she moved to Atlanta I was nice. like wow, you, you, you don't have to be in LA to be it she's like no like you know she she works for a uh she has a contract with the production company out here I think it's rain is it Rainforest Films some some production company out here but they pretty much drew her up a contract awesome yeah Okay. And I'm like, wow, so you really don't have to be in a, you know, you don't have to be in LA for it. There's a lot of independent, prominent independent production companies that have a lot of money and are willing to uh, adhere to, you know, those writers guild standards and everything. Yeah. So you don't have to necessarily be in LA to have a successful writing career. And also, it's your goal. What What's the end goal? Is your goal to be in LA in a writer's room? Is your goal to just have an agent and just book some, uh, uh, projects you know who knows you know so yeah like you know it's just all what you what you want to do but i highly recommend agent representation if you're trying to go to that mainstream yeah uh, you know definitely you're going to need somebody they're not going to do it for you well said and i love that distinction also i think you called it uh prominent uh independent work or or thereabouts um who, right. who do have funds and you know, right. I so that you can make that distinction um, with your prospects and things. So that's that's well said. And that's a good segue, because I was just about to ask, what is uh, the end goal look like for Tim Orange? Oh, man, it's so vast. Uh, <laughs> I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm trying to narrow it. But ultimately, man, um, when I first started, to be honest with you, I wanted to be in L.A. in the writer's room in the midst of the shits. Right. But as I'm, I started working, I'm like, oh, I don't need to be out. I don't. And then rubbing the shoulders with them people, you know, it's just weird for me. I'm a little 
introverted when it comes to that type of stuff a little bit too. So you know, people <laughs> look me I'm like, ah, oh, you phony fake motherfucker. Like, you know, so it's, 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 yeah, so it's just weird. And I don't, I really don't care to be in that space like that anymore. So, you know, my goals have kind of changed. I'm like, okay, well, if I can get a little manager, book some independent projects, I've been doing pretty good thus far as, you know, work for highs and right, you know, right. getting paid by uh, smaller production companies out here. Um, you know, I've got a film on, a couple of films on TV, Aspire uh, TV. So right. without an agent, without an agent, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, or manager. So I was like, you know, eventually I would like to get representation, you know, later on down the line. But for right now, I just want to, uh, what I see for the end goal for me is to, uh, I have a production company. I started a production company uh, last year. Congratulations. Want, thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's called Studios. I'm working on the website and everything. Wait, uh, say it one more time for me. Moonchild, Moonchild Studios. Gotcha. Moonchild Studios. Um, and that actually came to me like during a meditation. I'm like, whoa, okay, so this is what Neat. it needs to be. So uh, yeah, and I want to utilize that. I want to I want to fund my own projects. I want to fund others' independence projects, and I want to produce my own work. That's the end goal for me, you know. And I also want to give back, you know, through throwing out a ten thousand dollar budget here for in a competition or hey, let's have a, a script option to where, you know, you can come in and, and you know, oh, I love that. and have producers come and, you know, um, uh, you know, bid, bid on scripts. Like, we've never seen that before, you know? So, right. yeah, I, those are the type of things I want to do. Like, have little festivals, little competitions. Let's see the best scissor reel. Let's make a trailer for a film. And whoever has the best trailer, we give you $5,000 to go make it short. Or whatever the case may be, that's that's what that's what I see myself doing, you know. Along with you know, uh, funding my own scripts and producing my own scripts and hiring the right people and putting them in the right positions, you know, to make my scripts come to life as well. So I want to just I want to do everything from the mud, man. You know, independent, grassroots approach. Um, fund my own, write my own stories, fund my own stories, make my own stories. That's what I want to do. And all we're looking for is just distribution. You know, film is made, it's already done. We just need distribution now. Who who gonna take it? Netflix, <laughs> you know, who you know, but um, yeah, that's the end goal. That's the end goal. That's fire, bro. Man, Tim, this has been this has been great. You dropped a lot of gems, a lot of interesting stories, a lot of like how to um you more DIY than I thought, and more do it yourself than I thought, and I love the uh I feel like your story and your experience like might equip some others. I think it's definitely doing that, doing that for me as I find my own, my own path as I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this Africa adventure thing and I'm falling. I didn't fall out of it necessarily, but you know, the past couple of years, I was definitely in the direction of being of a lot of onset work and, and learning that way. And I wasn't writing as much. And now my life has, I've shifted my life and I'm I'm listening to you and others, and I'm like, oh, I might see a little overlap here, a little little commonality that maybe maybe that's you know you know possible because I'm ten thousand miles away from Los Angeles, <laughs> so I definitely got to find a way uh, as I continue to just enjoy this thing and adventure out. Um, what is it that I'm looking for, you know, and what what is happiness? 
like look like for me. And I'm, I really enjoyed hearing um, that kind of grassroots approach and the rewards and results you are seeing, you know, kind of the proof is in the pudding, uh, as they say. But uh, brother, brother Tim, this has been great. Um, got to have you back. Um, everyone who's listening, I hope that you got a lot out of Tim's story. Follow him. I'm going to put all his social media, all his information, his website, um, his, uh, the, the home, uh, uh the project, uh, also Moonchild Studios. I'm gonna put everything so that you can keep up with him, um, contribute if, if you like, uh, support however you want, um, get involved with his workshops when he does those and everything. And, uh, Tim, this was great. I just want to thank you for being a part of this and sharing your writing creative journey, brother. Yes, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for the platform. I appreciate it, man. Keep doing what you're doing, too. This is very helpful, man, and you're making a big contribution, man. So, yeah, I appreciate it, bro. I will. Thank you. And, guys, if, if you like this, subscribe. Feel free to share with your friends, your aspiring filmmaker friends, or those who are in the trenches right now who just need a boost, who need some inspiration. But uh, subscribe because there's more coming, okay? I hope you enjoyed this, and until next time, I'll talk to you all later. Peace out. If you enjoyed that episode, I invite you to subscribe on your favorite listening app. To keep up with the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Josiah D-O-C-X and on Instagram at Josiah's Voice Pod. And if you like my theme music, it's called Brewer B by Mateo. The link is in the description. Thanks again and talk to you later.